Good day and welcome to another special episode of the Offside Musings podcast. My name is Oke Ndibe, and it's my delight to welcome you on behalf of my co-host Emeka Onyagwa. In today's episode, we're going to look at the official start of political campaigns in Nigeria toward the 2023 general elections. As you all know, Nigeria is on the cusp, cusp of electing a government and a president to succeed President Muhammad Buhari's administration. That administration has overseen the absolute bringing of a country to the edge of disaster. So the question is, what are the prospects for a successful election in 2023? And what are indeed the prospects for the continued existence of Nigeria as a corporate unit beyond 2023? I welcome you to today's episode. I sort of to begin to unpack this. Um, the, the previous week, uh, so this is the week that the uh, campaigns begin officially uh, in Nigeria. Um, but you and I were monitoring political developments uh, over the last week. And um, rather interesting trends, the fact that you look at the PDP, the People's Democratic Party, that the party is still very much embroiled in internal fissures um, occasioned by the continued uh, insurgency by former, uh, actually not former, but the current uh, River State Governor, Nyesongwike, uh, who has been um, sort of serving notice of his willingness to play spoiler against the party's presidential candidate, former Vice President Atiku Abubakar, unless his conditions uh, were met. And one of those conditions is that he wants the current national chairman of the PDP to step down. Um, and of course, he's not happy with the, um, the way that the primaries were conducted, how he was outwitted by Atiku in what was essentially a game of bribery of delegates. We look at the uh, candidate of the ruling party, the All Progressives Congress, uh, former Governor Ahmed Bola Tinubu. And again, this past week, the party constituted um, a rather huge body um, to oversee the, the party's uh, campaigns for the presidency, conspicuously missing from that lineup is current Vice President uh, Osibanjo. Um, 
the party has explained that this decision to exclude the vice president was at the behest of the president, Muhammad Buhari, who wants the vice president uh, to continue, quote unquote, to run the government uh, during this transitional period. Um, I find that odd. Uh, it's particularly odd because Buhari in the past had been reluctant to see the executive uh, powers to so the vice president, even when Buhari was out of the country uh, on medical, um, for medical reasons. So um, it raises a question of whether the APC, again, is going into the next elections with any sense of cohesion and unity. And um, we're going to talk in a moment about all kinds of challenges for Tinubu as well, both personal as well as the factor of incumbency when the incumbent president has been particularly uh, disastrous as a leader. And then there is the perhaps most fascinating candidate in the forthcoming elections, former Governor Peter Obi of Anambra State. Obi has acquired a kind of cult-like um, following by young Nigerians, those who are derisively called the social media generation. Um, Obi, as, as uh, you know, was recently in the United States, made a tour of uh, several cities, and at each town was received enthusiastically uh, by people who raised a ton of money uh, to support him, at least pledged a ton of money to support him. So we're going to look at questions of whether Obi can sustain that momentum whether he can withstand the onslaught of uh, attacks uh, and onslaught of scrutiny about his own record, uh, which he has often touted. And so, so there's a lot, you know, to look forward to in the coming weeks and months. So I don't know what your initial thoughts are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, looking at the landscape, essentially, I think most, um interesting thing, whether whether publicly or more than in terms of what's happening now, it might not even be be really it might really be okay because of the way. I, I I didn't hear you. I think. The... Oh, sorry. I said so. I said looking at the landscape now, right? The most important thing might not actually be be um, might actually be wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of the way Nigerian elections, vis-a-vis uh, -vis African elections generally play out anyway, um, it, it's not always a free and fair edition of anything. Mm -hmm. um, it very rarely is, um, even at best. Um, even at best, when they're counting the votes, there are always ways to, like, stand, you know, if you look at it globally, it's not just America where we are. Um, Elections are in some ways manipulated, not rigged, like mm -hmm. what Trump claims. But they are, especially the primaries, you can, you know, mm -hmm. and in house seats, you gerrymander in primaries, um, you know, you can do things. So 
if you look at uh, places like um, in countries like Africa, and in this case, Nigeria, people just sit down and go as far as not even caring and just writing results and moving on. So what's going to happen? Is that that's not always the case that people just outrightly write the election results and move on. Um, that is the powers that be. It's not always the case that it happens that way. It does happen quite mm-hmm. often, but not mm-hmm. all the time. So let's, uh, let's assume we don't know. Let's assume, okay, you know, it's, it's a good chance this time around would be like the other times that votes were counted. Um, then a week here wouldn't be that big of a deal, whether he likes it or not. I know he likes to delude himself, but I don't believe, um, I don't believe in the free and fair elections. Wiki would win River States. Um, I think people are suffering too much, and the man seems to think he's a he's a political comedian of some sort, mm-hmm. and he really isn't that funny. But you know, he's he's um, what's the word I'd use for him? He's clownish. He's clownish. He's he's very clownish as a person. Um, you know, so but in terms of like winning an election, like oh, he came out and gave a manifesto, or gave speeches. Um, even if you compare to the previous two uh, governors of the states who yeah, are criminally inclined, are criminally inclined, but they were a lot more polished as individuals and you could see them. That is, they were a better representation of river states than VK could ever hope to be. Um, and I know it doesn't, doesn't account for much, but that's a uh, distant, but yeah, that's the biggest story in terms of, mm. um, one, if we case that big a deal at the elections, is it, is it going to be, is it, are they going to be real elections to start with? Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, is it possible that they can actually have elections in some parts of the country? Cause I, I, I would put anything I have that in some parts of the country, there's just no chance at this point. I mean, in some parts of the country, um, you can't even have elections. Um, you and I, a couple of weeks ago, did um, uh, examine the uh, just absolute banditry in Zamfara State, in parts of Castina State, in Yobe, Adamawa, Boronu. Uh, so these are areas where uh, um, terrorist groups really have um near absolute sway and so there is no question that in lots and lots of territories in nigeria elections are not going to be feasible at all um and it's uh, this explains this is sort of uh part of why i have and uh in a sense you also have um called for a, a different arrangement where different sectors of Nigeria would come together to uh, choose the best in their areas uh, to begin to reimagine and reformulate Nigeria and to establish whether we have the will, uh, the volition to continue to stay as, as a country. And if we do, to begin from the ground up to build a semblance of civic society, which we don't have. Uh, almost every important structure uh, of the state in Nigeria is in disarray, whether it's the police or the customs or medical care or the educational sector or the bureaucracy. 
you know, things are really broken down beyond repair and need um, rudimentary, a, a building up from rudimentary stages uh, before we can talk about, in my view, uh, holding holding elections. So there's clearly the prospect that in many parts of the country there cannot be elections because the Nigerian state has not established uh, a presence and control in so many parts uh, of, of the country. But also to get to the point, uh, yeah, I think you had a point. Uh, you wanted yeah, yeah, to I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, one thing is the Nigeria state too, yeah. Um, but, you know, the security situation, um, yeah, right, it, it's just not there. Um, and then, you know, we talk about um, what's going to happen. Is it, does would the country have come to a point where it's like, look, let's not have elections, let all these guys um, see out their terms, let's have a this thing, it, it, those kind of things are they historically peaceful? Is it going to be peaceful? Very unlikely that that would be the case. Possible, but very unlikely. Um, I wouldn't hold my breath and be like, you know, people are just going to come to their senses. Um, especially in Nigeria, in this era. Um, maybe in, in, in 80 years, when we look back at this era, people, our, um, our descendants, would be if they're still if they're still in Nigeria, <laughs> right? You'll be amazed that oh, did this really happened then. Oh, wow! This must be a different. You know, it would seem like a completely alien um, uh, this thing. But in this era, people are not going to sit down and be like, "Yeah, this this is not working." Let's let's sit down. Let's formulate. Let's let's talk about what we what we might want to do: stay together or not stay together. Um, and if we're staying together, what's the structure? How do how do we build a country that is ours, not what the British constructed and then left it for what essentially are neo-colonial leaders? Well, um, um, you know, um, um, neo-colonialists essentially. You know, so um, you'd have that distance. But in terms of the race, yeah, you have Justin of Winke, which lends the credence to a lot of things that we've seen happening of late in terms of the electoral commission called INEC, um, how they've been removing people, how they've been moving towards not counting the vote electronically, um, mm -hmm. the actions they've been taking. Um, it tells you how important WK is. They've all gone to London, and which I'll tell you, ask yourself the question, why is it always when you have very critical junctures, all, the, all not, non except, no exceptions, why does it end up in London? In London. I'm gonna, why, why don't you go to any, pick, pick some other destination where, why is it always there? Um, and that's right from 1940s when they started talking about um, more rule for um, what the indigents or whatever they, they would term them. So um, that to me, that's why I feel that's the biggest story. But in terms of uh, this thing, we've seen Atiku being more silent and being, more by his attack dogs. Tinubu trying to put up the face of a strong person, but in essence, he just uh, he has a network of both big time, um, big time uh, PR agencies and very Tinubu and um, APC and most of these guys are very adept at looking for what we might call in this era influencers looking for influencers in every spare. Like I used to be on Clubhouse. I would see a whole bunch of people who 
I would put anything I have, even including my own personal life, that they were getting paid monthly by the campaign, the way they were going about their business. Um, a lot of them, and a lot of them don't even live in Nigeria. A lot of them live uh, this thing. So they have their tentacles. They understand public perception. They understand breaking up clusters. It's kind of like uh, in America, we're talking of Amazon or people. Yeah, there's, a there's a renewed um, emphasis on unions in America today. Uh, thankfully, in my opinion, I, I don't know, you know why. Well, I know why it was a misconception. But the big corporations have also renewed codistance in getting the union busted lawyers. And they go into places and decluster anything, even to the point that Amazon bans the word union in their building, bans clustering even inside the restrooms of any sort. So that's similar to that. That's a king if you can look at it, if you can see that analogy to the way Tunibu campaign and even to some degree the Atiku campaign operates. They are looking for every area where there might be a cluster of negative distinct. They don't control the state, so they can't use state force, especially with Atiku. Uh, but with Tinubu, even though he's from the ruling party, he doesn't control the state. But they understand the, the thoughts and the distance of um, uh, opinions. And it's especially in this day and age, so they, they have their people. And mm -hmm. if you cluster and you're like, they, they have their people, they will come in there, they are Stout defenders, and again, a lot of them don't even live in Nigeria. Um, I call names, but it's no point yeah. just giving them yeah. the free advert. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, they, um, um, I, I think that would benefit from maybe taking each candidate in turn and looking at the candidates' prospects as well as um, uh, sort of the negatives. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we start with um, uh, former Vice President Atiku Abubakar, um, clearly he's being hampered by uh, Wike's insurgency, Wike's uh, refusal so far to enlist uh, and to embrace uh, Atiku's ticket. I think has been a big handicap for Atiku. So Atiku has expended quite a bit of energy trying to either woo Wike to his side or to neutralize him. Um, I think that Wike has proved um, particularly impossible to, to tame. Okay. Now, um, unlike what you said earlier, I actually think that Wike has great potential for causing, um, for being a cog in the wheel for Atiku and perhaps for helping any other presidential candidate that he puts his mind to. First of all, as a state governor in Nigeria, uh, state governors have great control over the electoral affairs of their state, you know, um, they control usually the local government uh, chairman and their councillors, at least most of them. Uh, they know the uh, political actors at a very local level. They have a sense of all the technologies of rigging 
that are possible within their state. And in the case of WeCare, I think that the other reason that Artiku has been particularly persistent in trying to broker peace with WeCare is the fact that WeCare um, has, as an oil producing governor, has a chunk of change, you know, to invest in the elections. I don't know. Um, Atiku is a, a, a massively wealthy man, uh, but the kind of campaign that we're coming into with uh, Tinubu, who is also massively wealthy uh, and has Lagos State resources to count on, and Lagos State is very, very wealthy. Um, with Peter Obi, who is counting on the energy of the youth and on people, especially in the diaspora, uh, willing to invest in his campaign. So I think that Atiku uh, cannot afford to alienate Wike and the money, as well as the political energy that Wike is able to uh, to generate and contribute to Atiku's campaign uh, if he wants to, or then to de deduct from that campaign if he's not sold on joining that campaign in a very passionate way. Um, now, Atiku, what goes for him is that Atiku is the one politician, I think, who has the sort of the most... Um, the deepest uh, track uh, in terms of allegiances or in terms of connections with what are known called the uh, professional politicians in the Nigerian space, right? So Atiku has political associates, people who are his friends, who like have liked him over the years, either because he's dispensed one uh, political favor or one uh, economic favor uh, or another in the past uh, to these people. Um, so ex-governors, current governors who have been uh, in his orbit, you know. But I, uh, the negatives for him, I think, are quite considerable. The fact that Atiku is associated with um, the, the massive corruption that took place during Obasanjo's uh, administration. And of course, Obasanjo is implicated. Obasanjo likes to point to Atiku as the exemplar of corruption. Uh, and we all know that Obasanjo participated in this corruption, that Obasanjo enabled corruption and uh, shielded corrupt elements during his, uh, during his presidency. But that reputation for being uh, deeply corrupt is something that Atiku um, must deal with. Um, and it's going to be a tough uphill task for him at a time when Nigeria is, for all practical purposes, bankrupt. So somebody who is associated with just enriching himself at the expense of the country is not going to sell well, uh, especially to young people who form uh, potentially the, the 
broadest uh, demographic for the election and who are simply tired because they've come to a, to a place of being crushed under the current economic circumstances of the country. And as you and I have been talking about the Ukraine war and the pandemic uh, have occasioned even deeper socioeconomic crisis in Nigeria as well as the uh, throughout, throughout Africa and what's called with all kinds of um, unease, the third world. So, so that for me is my take on Atiku that uh, whilst he has a, he can call on so many political figures in Nigeria that this is the year where those sort of politicians are going to be seen, perceived as a liability rather than uh, as assets. Um, and that he has personal, uh, and of course the other thing is, is he going to be able to come up with a vision for reversing the country's economic slide, for ending the country's uh, pervasive violence and terrorism and insecurity? Um, and is he even going to be taken seriously if he talks about um, controlling uh, corruption. So yeah. I don't know what, what you take on, uh, Tinu, on uh, Atiku Abubakar is before we yeah. get to Tinubu. Yeah, I think Atiku's case is simple. Um, he's appealing to what is the northern sentiment, what we, can, what we can term the northern sentiment. Now, you're not Nigerian, or, if, or actually, if you're Nigerian, and you probably don't understand which is the most people, probably 90%. Um, the coining of the Northern sentiment started prior to the civil, prior to yeah, independence, right? Prior to all the civil war, all the distance in, in the late 40s, late 1940s. And it was essentially supposedly, which is very funny, supposedly coined by the Amado Bellows of the world, who was a very um, tribalistic. I, In my own view, I always, you know, if you have it, I always, I always say tribalism and racism are pretty much the same thing, or sister and brother, siblings. Um, but the same thing, in my opinion. It's very tribal, and it's not my opinion. Um, if you go there, you famous videos of Amado Bello, the Sardana, and this thing is there. Um, but they believed in talking about the North as one entity, which is the most bizarre thing. We talked about the documentary um, Bandits of Zamfara a couple of weeks ago. And that's just the beginning, the amount of ethnic groups there who have been at war with the Fulanese, who survived the Fulanese in some cases, like uh, I think the Zungurus, Kebi, and a whole bunch of definitely the uh, Kanuris in Boronu and other places, um, and who were who ended up being subjugated by the British. In fact, Kanuris really by the French, um, and then handed over to the British um, in the back and forth with um, the French over uh, territorial integrity, which part of which included vanquishing vanquishing the armies in Dahomey, as they should have, because those armies were very uh, terrible on their own rights, by the way. But, um, you know, you, you end up with all these groups within one entity, and then you call them this, and then you, you can't keep them together because they don't, people don't understand how much they don't want to be together. 
But the key selling point, which has always been there, which is round around, I'm talking about what I wanted, to, what I'll always get to, what I wanted to get to, I'm going to, to is the reality that what do you, one of the things you used to keep people together, people that really would rather kill themselves than look themselves in the eye, is to tell them what is over defense is a lot worse. And in effect, what is over defense is the southerners. And the southerners are classified from um, in the Arawa dictionary, even though back in the day there was the, a lot of um, issues when um, the Action Group and Co. came into Benway and then they formed the United, United Middle Belt Congress, Joseph Taka and all those guys who were ironically the first ones to try and actually break out of Nigeria. Funny keynote. Um, them and um, um, Isaac, Isaac Adaboro as well. They were amongst the first ones to want to break out of Nigeria. Isaac Adaboro held the 13 day uh, siege before he got crushed by Ujuku, which is why some of those um, ethnic, so-called ethnic minority song, the other ones that have other, don't like evil people. Um, but the whole thing is keeping them together until that what's over defense. Now, what does that have to do with our current political? Obviously, for first as first, is a continuation of, because we are in an unbroken, my opinion, quagmire for over 100 years. But the next thing is Atiku is trying to appeal to that typical, easy, at this point in time, ready-made, ready-meal sentiments. You know, just put in two minutes in the oven, bring it out. What's over defense is worse. I'm one of you guys um, from uh, the northeast of the country um, where technically they settled, even though they, are, they ended up getting their emirates created first by the British and then subsequent governments. Um, so this thing, so in Adamawa, because they are not necessarily indigenous to that place, um, Adamawa, Taraba, and all those places. But he's Fulani. He has a lot of those things. He's in good with the crowd in Kano. Um, he's in good with the, he's technically in good with the elites in Kaduna as well. So that's something he's going to play to. Um, what he has against him is a lot of things he spoke of from the beginning in terms of his corruption, his perception with the common man in the North. Common man in the North sees him as a thief, as a corrupt person, um, as every kind of thing you could think of. So, um, that's, that's who he is in terms of the balance he has to this thing from one side to the next side, is he, to me, based on the kind of dynamics we've we run in Nigeria, based on the way we've been um, educated, or the lack of education, and the way we've been fed certain narratives and stereotypes, to me, is he the front runner? Yes, because um, of the ridiculousness of the situation we are in, not for any other thing. Um, he is the one that maybe has the best chance to claim the Northern, not maybe at least ahead of Tinubu, um, in my opinion, even though we'll come to Tinubu, he has the best chance of absolutely saying, I'm one of you, even though the other two are making their case, which would come to as well. Um, but um, it's a campaign. The question again is what's going to happen? Yeah, uh, is uh, is it going to be election that there is some freedom to vote, which is another conversation we're going to come to. Which is mm -hmm. essentially the truth of this conversation: is it one where people are because if people are going to vote, 
a lot of this structural power, so so called unquote so structural power, is all irrelevant. It's mm-hmm. not it's not going to be relevant, especially for the presidential elections, because people are people are at that point. Doesn't matter how much you want your team, and when I say your team, it's almost certainly your ethnic group to win. Um people are at that point where they're dying. Uh, Jackba is now a, a trending term in Nigeria. Jackba means relocate. Um, all kinds of people everywhere. Everybody wants to run to anywhere. Uh, people are even running to Benin Republic. Next door. <laughs> Nobody wants mm. to be involved in this in this economic quagmire that is in Nigeria. Mm. So, yeah. um, that's, that's my thing. Yeah, you know, so, um, and I think that as as the uh, consequences of the Ukraine war, which at some point we're going to get into uh, done on the world, um, is going to bring massive hunger and is going to bring a huge downturn um, in the global economy. Uh, There are fears that the world is on the cusp of a global recession. Uh, Already you see signs of this in the instability, massive instability uh, and disruptions in the U.S. stock market and stock markets elsewhere in the world. So uh, what happens in those markets are going to ultimately have uh, great, uh, unfortunately, very dramatically negative effects on spaces like Nigeria. So... um, and all of this is going to play into the elections, if the elections hold, because at this point, I'm not even uh, confident at all that we're going to have uh, a country where elections can hold in 2023. But I, again, I hope I'm wrong. But um, as you rightly said, you know, there is a certain appeal that an article uh, must make which is, you know, um, you are a man, you're better off um, having me than having somebody else from the southern part of the country. And I think that is the logic that ultimately got Buhari elected. And seeing how much of a disaster Buhari has been for for Nigeria uh, generally, but especially even for the northern part of the country, which has seen the worst of terrorist attacks and the worst of economic devastation. Um, I think that uh, there's a kind of ripeness for people to begin to reject that kind of logic, that kind of appeal to ethnic solidarity, which in Buhari's case has not helped uh, anybody much much less in the northern part of the country. But let's look at Tinubu. So Tinubu was a fairly successful governor of uh, Lagos State. We have to give him that. And even better than his average performance, which in Nigeria, average performance is, is good in a country where governors are often just total... Uh, failures. But Tinubu um, uh, sort of inputting Fashola as his successor. Um, uh, Fashola 
um, impressed a lot of people by the tone that it brought to Lagos, by a certain boldness in some of the infrastructural uh, work that he did in Lagos. But then Tinubu began, uh, once he left office, uh, turned himself into a profiteer from uh, from the state that he governed, you know, um, just basically allocating himself uh, so many uh, open spaces, lands, and building real estate, and then turning himself into a collector of internally generated revenue and keeping uh, what people, a lot of people will consider uh, particularly greedy uh, percentage of uh, of of his uh, the takings uh, that his company was able to get, uh, controlling uh, toll collection and um, toll gates in, in the state and so on. So Chinubu has made just um, obscene wealth from Lagos State uh, since. Uh, his days as governor and subsequently when he um, sort of became a kingmaker. Um, but so there are some people who sort of look at his governance with some fondness. Um, there are some people who give him credit for putting in some fairly good choices as his successors. Um, Tinubu, on the negative side, has, as I proposed a few weeks ago, construed himself as the new owl. And yet he doesn't have owl's intellectual depth. He doesn't have owl's discipline. Our organizational skills, our commitment to social progress through things like free education and free health, health care. And so, and our he is not. And particularly because the Yoruba uh, are a proud people, there is now we know uh, a burgeoning. Uh, opposition to Tinubu's Awoist uh, pretensions uh, by elite Yoruba groups, including political groups uh, that are beginning to question the fact that this man who has made himself such a central factor in Yoruba politics has um, very shady, or shall I say, shadowy bona fides. The fact that nobody knows Tinubu's real name, Tinubu's parents, where Tinubu went to school, uh, where Tinubu was born, and so on and so forth, is beginning to give pause to some uh, Yoruba elite. So the other issue is that Tinubu is clearly frail of health. It's going to be difficult, um, given Nigeria's history with uh, Abacha, who 
was ailing and ultimately died in office, with Umaru Musayaradua, who spent much of his one term as president in hospitals abroad um, and couldn't run a country, with Buhari, who spent a good portion of his ter first term in office, again receiving treatment for some undisclosed ailment in hospitals abroad. So the whole question of a country like Nigeria, which has profound problems, being entrusted to the care, to the management of a selection of a number of men who are battling their own personal health issues and who are too feeble and too sick to, even if they meant it, even if they meant well, even if they had a vision for transforming uh, Nigeria into a habitable space, they simply do not have the energy to effectuate uh, uh, the, this vision. And so the fact that there's this viral video of Tinubu um, you know, where he had uh, wet himself, apparently. A recent video of Tinubu meeting with an emir and just, you know, snoring off. Um, or the brazenness, the hubris with which Tinubu uh, declared that it was his turn to run Nigeria. So it's almost as mm -hmm. if Nigerians owe, owe him this turn are just sleeping through four years in office or perhaps even eight. And I think that particularly young people are beginning to reject that idea of geriatric sick men, are presuming it to be their right and prerogative to preside over the affairs of, of the country. Uh, and the fact that there was this opulent and altogether appalling um, uh, picture at the APC uh, presidential primaries where, you know, just dollars were being disbursed. Uh, to delegates, and so Tinubu was seen buying up uh, the ticket, uh, just like Atiku also bought up the ticket uh, at the PD with the PDP. And I think that ultimately, perhaps the most potentially powerful factor against Tinubu is the fact that. Tinubu is associated with putting Buhari in office. And he, he himself has boasted that other people had tried, Buhari had tried with a bunch of Igbo enablers and could not make it. And that it took him to get him over the finish line and to uh, secure the presidency for him. Buhari has been a particularly atrocious president a very narrow-minded, very provincial and nepotistic president. And so 
Um, and Tinubu has said that he wants to continue to build from where Buhari stopped. Nigerians want to forget the Buhari years. So anybody who invokes Buhari in positive light, I don't think is going to be able to excite Nigerians, especially the youth who are desperate for a different kind of country. I don't know what your take is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it comes all back to, I mean, in his own case, I just have to start from, I mean, look at, you know, it's my turn. Ah, it's yeah. my turn. You know, it's almost like, uh, sadly, you know, when some people get to a certain age, they they start acting like they are in diapers again. Not everybody, <laughs> some people. In this case, it seems like it's acting like that. So I start from there, like, it feels like, like they are diapers. Like they he's in diapers. Like he's, he's, he's a toddler. He needs to, um, I have toddlers. So I'm like, this guy is acting like one of my toddlers. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, is interesting, you know. Um, but... Um, it's a guy, people might say, well, he's had stress, he's this, he's lost his son, that's why he's aged. I can see all those arguments. Um, and even if I agree, you know, I, 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 I lost a cousin, I had an uncle who lost one of his two children. Um, I saw the man age overnight. Some people would be like, well, he's so, so, and so age. You know, even if uh, I don't, we don't debate, we're like, all right, cool, this is fine. Um, that's even more reason why you shouldn't be there, really. If you have, that thing you need to go take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, pushback on is when people talk about um, he, was, he was a above average successful governor. I'd have to ask, like in term in in the context of Lagos State, in all that Lagos has been in the history of uh, West Africa, um, and I'm talking of since 1850, and in the history of Nigeria pre amalgamation, so 1899, right? You know. Um, all it, it's been, even though 1899 wasn't quite distant, but by the time the Royal Niger Company moves its headquarters, local Jack Calabar down to Royal Niger, uh, north and east, the protectorate, by the time they moved the offices to Lagos and everything, um, all it's benefited, all it, all it generates, um, how every office has to have, I mean, it's very similar dynamics with Miki, oil producing, yes, you get 13%. But better than that, oh, thirteen actually, thirteen percent, right? But better than being an oil producing state, um, not to veer off the conversation here, but better than being an. There was a period in time where they had the opportunity to hold the oil companies to ransom. This is before kidnappers became a thing. But even with that, so you have a lot of oil company assets and oil company employees in River State, and that directly. Um, generates more revenue, not just for them directly, but also they also pay the government, the federal state government. So that's why they are by far the richest oil producing state. And at the same time, they are one of the, I think, number two most indebted states, um, the states in Nigeria. Um, so they make a lot of money and they spend a lot of money and there's not much to quantify it. It's very similar to the situation we saw Lagos. So now, are you going to say, well, Tinubu had a situation where Obasanjo withheld local government funds because they decided they realized which yeah, they, they were right and they were being fair and they were being honest. Last minute, the military created a whole bunch of local governments and made sure the local governments and the states they created would serve more interest in the core northern areas, which is the next place I'll come back to. But hold that, hold that distance for a second to the core northern areas. And then the 
under under this thing to the southern areas. Even in the southwest where they give six states, they give them less local governments. In the southeast is one less states. In the south south is in well <laughs> you'll always say you don't know how something can be south of south. <laughs> it's only Nigeria. So in the south south I mean, <laughs> it's 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 a situation where um it's very similar, structurally imbalanced. Um Tinubu had they came in, they were happy, they created more local government development areas from twenty to fifty seven. It wasn't even close to what they should have. If Kano had, I think, or still has, I think, 55 or something like that. And he got their, their funds withheld. Um, he did quite a bit with or without the distance. But the question I would always ask the people is, what's the metric for success? You have a guy who did, um, barely did anything to Maupi. He did some, moved a little bit, Lagos, Lagos. If you don't get Lagos moving, there'll be problems. But he did as he did his bare minimum. Um, you told you tell the story of um, a lot of these guys and their actions, you know. Um, but to me, he did the bare minimum in Lagos, um, and he structured himself not just to be profiteering. I would even use the word profiteering. He structured himself to be the landlord of Lagos. He's the landlord that distributes to his um, network of dogs, street urchins, whatever you want to call them, and uh, wh whoever, MC Musili, all these guys are all Lasma. This is what they now term. They now took dogs and gave them uniforms and gave them different names. And they are, they are, they are, the main aim was to make sure they had money in their accounts during the non-election period. And then when election period comes, all these so-called dogs, NWTR, this thing, the National Union of Road Transport Workers, uh, as their official name, or the last map people will all be activated to achieve the ends of um, always carrying the state. That's why Obasanjo could never carry the state because, like it or not, Tinubu doesn't just have his own private police in, in Lagos. He has his own private army, well-armed army. So Abbasinger couldn't rig the state, even though he tried to rig everywhere else. It's near impossible. And you see that legacy continuing on to today, which is another thing we'll get to in terms of the distance. In terms of Peter Biavidavi, relative who is functional in the advertising space, in the um, event management space and all that. And we're making people we're making fun of him over the weekend. Oh, one of our, one of the groups are making fun of him and like, well, I'm not kind of really making fun of him, but they were asking the question, why is it that we could see this Peter B rallies, which is what we'll get to later on, but in other states, in Abuja, it was massive. I don't know if you saw it. It's crazy. It was absolutely, you know, insane. It shows it was no, anybody saying it's a joke at this point in time. You're living in the moon, um, you know, or you don't see it in Lagos. And it's like, in effect, anything Peter will be advertising has been banned from Lagos. You can't even put up a billboard Peter will be in Lagos. It's like, wow. Mm -hmm. um, is that not against the law? So you are free to pay for it and put it up there if you want. Um, but it's going to go come if down. They, it, that, that's if you get down, if they don't catch mm -hmm. you. <laughs> if Tinubu's army doesn't catch you, um, you might. You, there's a good chance you will make it out alive. And even if you do, you're going to make it out severely um, um, physically different than when you started out the journey. Um, so these are the legacies of Tinubu. Um, he did put some guys that were somewhat functional managers to some degree. Yes, he did. 
um, or how functional are they when a good part of the revenue of the state has to go to one man? Um, are you that functional, really? Um, I think to some degree you could make an argument that you have to work with what you have. In the case of Fashola, in the case of an Ambody, who was the governor after Fashola, he mm-hmm. tried to change the system and he became a one-term governor. That's right. In the case of Saolu, Saolu is more or less Chinubu's uh, PA. You see him at times carrying Tinubu's bag as governor, carrying Tinubu, you know, anywhere Tinubu is going, he's falling out. Yes, sir. He's not trying to argue with Tinubu. So to me, that's a legacy. Um, you'd have to measure what good governance is based on what you have. I don't believe in saying, hey, there's a Dubai and what do you have? What can you work with? Most mm-hmm. things in Nigeria for a state are under the, the federal list, meaning you can't do anything about them. Power is one of them. You can't do if you generate power in Nigeria. You have to feed it to the federal government. And then the federal government will decide on what to do yeah, with the power, right. not you, the states. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of other issues like this. So what's, what's the definition for success? I keep hearing this thing. And people are like, judging for what Lagos has been for the last 100 years, I fail to see how the majority, I, I could give it to Fashola based on if you say, well, I don't want to fight to Tinubu. Um, but even Tinubu and those after Fashola, um, I fail to see it. Um, I was in Lagos a couple months ago. I saw some projects there, here and there. But comparatively, what Lagos could be doing, he's building his own airports. Um, he shouldn't be relying on Marita, which it has, kind of. But he can't even effectively migrate the airport internationally mm-hmm. to the other wing. He can't. But part of that is also the same federal list. But that's still more navigable. Most of the expenses for the airlines not being able to move to the new airport, a large part of that falls on the state and the so-called dogs that he has around there. And that's the same guy that now wants to become the rent collector for the country federally. Um, there's no other way of seeing it than somebody that is going to end up replicating the state model into a federal model and become the landlord for the country. Um, I don't think most people are after that. I think, but I think his whole aim is again, back to the Northern thing. His whole aim is this, obviously, We'll talk of one north. Yes, at uh, Buhari in his corner. He doesn't need everywhere in the north. He just needs certain places. The way Yorubas always have gone af- after it, the middle belt especially. Uh, and in what you term as the middle belt, in terms of the uh, Benway, the Quara, um, uh, the Niger, and even in these cases, places like Taraba, which is likely Christian, and other places will be a target for Tinubu if he, he figures to to steal out these places, maintain home base by thuggery, absolutely, because, I mean, this is already clear what's happening in the Southwest, in Lagos and other Southwestern states. So that's his ideology, to achieve his, I mean, Lokan is my turn, you know, so um, to me, he's just the my turn guy, man, the my turn dude, uh, he feels there's a sense of entitlement, mm-hmm. With nothing yeah. else to offer. Yeah, and you know, I mean, um, ultimately, as you said earlier, Tinubu has been savvy in sending influencers into certain spaces, uh, but he can't afford to, especially given the history of Buhari and the history of all the other people ailing uh, misleaders of Nigeria. Uh, Nigerians are particularly, I suspect, sensitive to the idea of having another president uh, who can't 
get up easily from bed in the morning and who needs to be fortified by medicine and steroids and so on, even to operate at a minimal level. And ultimately, uh, whatever number of influencers and so on that you deploy into the political space to campaign for you, this is not an election where you, you are going to get much mileage if you are running it by proxy. You are sending other people to speak for you. I think Nigerians are going to insist, not on, uh, they're not going to settle for having your vice presidential candidate, Kashi, um, um, uh, Shetima uh, Kashimu, uh, come and campaign for you. They're not going to settle for Nollywood actors or governors speak on your behalf. They're going to insist that you show up. And if you show up and you are shaky, if you show up and your voice does not carry, if you show up and you sleep uh, during rallies, um, or it's, it's seen that people are helping you to get up, around and so on, it's going to send a very, it's going to send a, a, a very a uh, strong message to Nigerians that this is not the direction they want to go in. Okay. Yeah. And let's come finally to P2B. You and I know that P2B and I have had um, uh, battles, major battles in the past. Um, I was, um, I admired the tenacity with which he pursued the governorship, his governorship, which was originally stolen by the PDP uh, through uh, Ngige, who became the imposter governor for almost three years of Obi's, what should have been Obi's original tenure. I also admire um, uh, the precedents that he set in the Supreme Court, which ruled that a governor's tenure uh, began uh, for the full term on the day that a governor was sworn in. So Peter B, even though he he was rigged out and uh, Ngige served three years uh, approximately of his term, Obi was able to then spend uh, three years in office, I mean, four years in office as his uh, first term and then won re-election. I was critical of Obi for what I saw as his inflexibility as governor, that at a time when governors in Anambra State were on strike, asking for what was in, incidentally a minimum. Doctors, right? Doctors, yes. Yeah. Did I say, what did I say? I thought you said governors, but. You know, okay, when so, doctors because... were on strike, yeah, it's possible yeah. that I said governors, yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So, when doctors were on strike in Anambra State, asking for uh, some improvement uh, in their financial package, the fact that Obi let that strike linger for so long, for me, um, was a discredit to his political instincts. And also to, you can't be the governor of a people who are poor, who have inadequate access 
to medical care and being different to the fact that government employed doctors are on strike and therefore so many indigent people in your state will now be forced to go to private hospitals to pay money that they don't have in order to get health care. I mean, health care does not go into abeyance because doctors are on strike. People fall sick all the same. So I think, you know, I, I was very, very critical of him uh, for doing that. I was critical of him again when he began to fraternize with somebody that I consider politically, um, who should be a political para pariah, uh, Chuman Zeribe. <laughs> uh, the fact that Obi at some point um, supported Chuman Zeribe's senatorial bid was was something that I was uh, very critical of. And you know, um, he and his and his uh, administration lied against me, uh, claimed that I had insulted uh, some political and clerical figures and some, the, the beer furniture and so on, which never happened. And so I wrote one of my most fury uh, columns, um, calling him and his uh, spokesperson, uh, merchants of lies. And I, I don't withdraw at all. I'm not uh, backing up from the, that criticism. Um, it was deserved. And um, uh, my hope is that Obi has learned from his mistakes, uh, but clearly he made many mistakes as governor of Anambra State. Um, ultimately, Obi is celebrated by people because of the, uh, the fact that he left. Um, he practically took no loans when he was governor and he left a substantial some for his uh, successor. Um, he could have done more in terms of infrastructural development in Anambra State, by the way. Orca remained an eyesore uh, at the end of his term as, as governor. But he did invest in education and he did transform the schools in the state so that uh, kids from secondary schools in Anambra State became basically the top students uh, in, in Nigeria uh, by so many different uh, measurements. So Obi has a record that is impressive in, in several areas that is uh, sort of middling in some other areas that is bad in other areas. But part of why he's connected with young people is the fact that Obi does something which too many Nigerian politicians don't do, which is that he offers some analysis, a sense that he understands the nature of the problems in Nigeria and that he's thought about those problems and that he is willing to uh, articulate some solutions. Often, uh, some of the figures that will be reels out have been um, called to question, you know what I mean? But it's his style that when he speaks, he says, you know, 
this country has this GDP and it generates so much megawatts of power and um, it earns so much from this sector and so on and so forth. So when he does that, like pastors who quote passages from the Bible and, you know, sometimes when you check, you see that they've got it wrong, <laughs> you know. Um, so B has that, but but still Nigerians are impressed. A lot of Nigerians are impressed that here is somebody who uh, at least is thinking about uh, issues of development of infrastructure, of diversification of the economy, and so on and so forth. Even so, he's an imperfect carrier of this dream of young people. Okay, young people, some of them have suggested that Obi is a saint, and I will insist and continue to say that Obi is absolutely no saint. He's far from one. But I think that if Obi is going to do well, it will come from the young people if they get him elected, almost breathing down his neck to make sure that he lives up to the commitment that he makes. Um, that if you left it, left it up to him, he will talk a great game, but not live up to, uh, to the expectations. Um, so that, and as you said, clearly the energy, the passion, the momentum is on his side in this election that the other two candidates must look with envy at the fact that they are spending money to buy love, to buy affection, to buy votes, to buy delegates. But here is Obi being flown all over the world by Nigerians who are throwing cash at him. Some people willing to donate substantial amounts to make sure that this guy wins. And I think that should he win, that unless he's an absolute fool, which I don't think he is, that ultimately he's going to recognize that if he fails everybody who has invested in him, invested their time, their money, their emotions in his candidacy, that his name will forever be associated with uh, with the most evil of, of epithets. So I think that if Obi wins um, and he has a good shot at winning, if he develops a ground game, right? Because you can't win on the internet. You can't win on social media. You can't win by giving good speeches. You can't win by drawing large crowds. You have to win by having legs on the ground, people who are going to go to polling boats, who are going to go door-to-door -door campaigning for you, people who are going to make sure uh, that the votes for you are protected and not stolen. If he does that and he wins, I think that he's going to face massive problems because, again, the country is bankrupt, Right. Uh, and you have insecurity, how is he going to address that? Um, that ultimately what might happen is, again, that Nigerians will continue to send money, Nigerians abroad 
will continue to sustain the economy of the country, uh, that a lot of people will volunteer to go home, Nigerian expertise in different areas to go and start rebuilding the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps that, uh, to conclude about uh, my thoughts on Peter Obi, I think that uh, if he wins, he's going to face massive challenges. Uh, the country is bankrupt, essentially. Uh, there is the um, insecurity that is intractable, that is widespread, uh, is pervasive, is deep-rooted. Um, and there is just general demoralization in the country. Um, if Obi is going to succeed, he will benefit from the continued goodwill of Nigerians in the diaspora, who hopefully uh, will make uh, substantial investments, commitments to investing in the country. Uh, some professionals hopefully will, you know, volunteer their time in Nigeria to serve in different capacities and to help to build the country from the ground up. And maybe if we're lucky, the international community led hopefully by international agencies, by the United States, by Britain, hopefully, hopefully, I emphasize, may want to maybe, uh, again, forgive the thoughtless debts that uh, we have accumulated uh, in the Buhari years, um, but some of that debt is uh is owed to to China, so I don't know mm -hmm. what China will decide to do. <laughs> Forgive <what>? um, <laughs> yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Forget it. Um, China will ask for for an arm and a leg, uh, but hopefully there will be some forgiveness, debt forgiveness. There will be some infusion of developmental capital uh, into the country uh, to give the uh, to give Nigeria a shot at certain all over um, and so on. So that's, that's sort of my final thoughts on, on, uh, on OB as a candidate who clearly, as I said, is, um, is generating the greatest excitement, even though, as I'm the first to tell you, he's an imperfect candidate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, um, if I start, we'll just say this, man, because... Uh, it's the truth, I guess, you know, um, uh, mental, social, intellectual development is something that is always ongoing. So the person you were 10 years ago is supposed to be a different person and hopefully a better person you are 10 years later, same way, five years later, same way, 15 years later. And if you're not doing a, a Milokana, you should be a better person than doing that. That being said, um, from all accounts, um, will be um, imperfect. Yeah, um, we all are. So that's another statement. Um, was he a great governor? Um, most people tell him as an average governor. Why they even give him average is because of the fact that he left a he supposedly. Because <laughs> that's that's the subject to some level of debate, but let's give it to him. He supposedly left uh, money, uh, left the state in good financial standing, with mm -hmm. more money. Um, and you can see the tradition in, in, in Igbo states. You go to Igbo states, they, they've consistently borrowed the least, mm -hmm. um, which 
maybe lends probably lends to that stereotype that the Igbo man is not uh, is not one to spend more than he can earn. Um, at least the Igbo man, um, you know. So you leave money, yeah. Um, is he, you know, and, and, and in fairness to himself, you're looking at most of his speeches. He talks about how he saved money, leave you know, all that stuff. He talks about that, even though judging by what I have heard and what I have could verify, some of that is wildly overblown. Um, by far, um, is he incorrupt? Was he incorrupt as governor? No, he was not. Um, is he a better candidate than anybody that ran this time around? Even Oshubanjo, in my opinion, I think so. Um, I'll put, yeah, I'll, I, and I know people would say, you know, but I could measure those metrics, but in terms of all the people that ran, or at least all the major guys that ran, let's not go to the minor people as well. Uh, I don't mean minor, no, but no human being is technically minor, just as, a, as your candidacy. Obi's, Obi was way better than you could say the top seven of the people mm -hmm. that ran. It's just li limited to the top seven, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and what endeared him to what has it, what has now endeared him to people is one of the stories he tells about you no know, because people are tired of reading these figures how Tinubu is the, is, the, is the landlord of Lagos and how Atiku has been become the landlord of some sectors in Nigeria and all these guys now want to they want to create their kingdoms and coronate their children for the rest of their lives because their kids don't even live there and all you know. So people are in there to be for that. Um, people are also in there to be because the guy that didn't run for office before, he ran for governor, ran for governor. He wasn't even pulling that great. It was even, um, at the point in time, it was um, Tojuku that comes in and um, and talks up his candidacy. Mm -hmm. But you still see Bianca talking up his candidacy even till now. And um, what also endeared him to people is that in a very corrupt environment like Nigeria, after you've taking the, the, the resources of the people and the states and, and, and used it for your own personal use. And you serve for eight years as a governor, you typically end up going to serve in the Senate or going to become a minister. That's the standard. That's the gold star or putting your spouse, for those that will say, well, I didn't go about my spouse, your spouse, and putting your spouse there. That's the standard. Tinubu has done it. Obiano that's going out, is trying to do with his wife. Almost everybody has done that. Obi didn't do that. He left and went home. So, in a way, it also lends credence to that. This that even when you see his imperfectionalities, man still served eight years, whatever is imperfect. And trust me, I believe you've said so. All the columns you wrote about Obi, you stand by them. And there are quite a few. You go read them. They are true. There are quite a few. The reality is the day he left office, he left office. He didn't. He associated with criminally minded characters. Mm -hmm. But in the minds of, and I'll say this fully, in the minds of a lot of people, associating with criminally minded characters is a different thing from running a criminally minded enterprise, which is what most politicians do, as I just described. Mm -hmm. And I endears him to people as well. So he's had this, this thing, he's and, you know, people feel and his actions of not engaging in uh, a, a gun battle, a money battle with these guys, even though he probably didn't engage in that money battle, maybe somewhat because of his stance. 
stance really is Obi is not somebody that is going to give people money even when he has uh, for better or worse. Sometimes good, but sometimes actually terrible. <laughs> Very terrible. <laughs> so let's call it for what it is. Um, I'm saying Nigerians are desperate for anybody. At this point in time, I'm even of the opinion if the elections must hold, they should just put out an advert and hire somebody to run the country. Oh my gosh. I, I, I hope you're going to make yourself available to go do that job. <laughs> not, not now. No. I'm busy right now. Give me some If they delay the elections for another couple of years, maybe you, you'll be available. Anyway, they should put that yes. uh, Maybe um, um, George Bush will come around the country for <laughs> uh, tr- Trump is, is desperate Trump, for, Trump for, is for work. <laughs> maybe Obama. Obama you know, we, 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 we could make Obama an honorary citizen of Nigeria and, you know, you adopt him as, as president of Nigeria. Yeah, uh, that way he'll just, tell, he'll just tell Biden, all this money you are sending to, uh, to Ukraine, send half of it to uh, my go. way in Nigeria. Hey, just... we'll be in business. Anyway, That's so it, it's been such, such, um, yeah. uh, just... Yeah. I, I don't oh, know. No, you... I'll go. I'll go and finish up and just say yes, please. It's been it's been it's been exciting people in that regard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, this thing, but at the end of the day, um, his his um parts to what they are thinking of at this, what they are probably thinking of, or what they should be thinking of at this point in time, is to maximize the amount of turnout they could have. Mm-hmm. Um, their structure should be the people. People are mm-hmm. back in the campaign. Mm-hmm. People are with him. People are going out with him and all that. So their structure should be the people. Um, they could win, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, even in places you wouldn't expect, they could win. Mm-hmm. What happens next? I've always said it's a whole different. You've talked about yeah. the yeah. Uh, foreign remittances and all this. It's a whole uh, this thing. I don't know what to be would do, uh, but I know it's a mess. And I don't wish that mess on any. I even wish that yeah, mess on him. You know that that in a sense, in a sense, I'm, I'm actually, you know, well, I'll be sorry for Nigerians if certain candidates win, because so far it seems that those candidates don't have a plan at all, except for politics as usual. Um, His Excellency, the President of Nigeria. Is there some money lying around which I can steal or put in the pockets of my associates? Um, if a fairly good candidate wins with a plan, I'm sorry for that candidate because there's no money to do all the great things that you promised Nigerians that it's like Nigeria would have benefited from a superb candidate in 1991 when an interloper like Obasanjo usurped the position. Yeah, they're saying in 1999. In 1999. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Huh? No, you said 1991. 1990, no, 1999 is what uh, yeah. I said. I hope. I hope I'm not. So we would have um, benefited from a more thoughtful, more visionary, more imaginative leader in 1999 when Nigeria had the resources still, or in the Jonathan years 
um, when um, again, or even when Buhari took over, um, because there was a streak when the oil sector was bringing in some money. Now we're, the country is bankrupt. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what, yeah. what happens. Well, it'll be, it'll we'll be interesting to see, you know, what I don't like. When people tell me about it, I'll tell you, look, it's a big, mm-hmm. big, big. But like you said, um, if he goes there, and this is where I want to, he goes there, and he's the same guy, Rana Nambra, yeah, bro. You'll be a disaster. I'm telling. I'm saying it now. You'll be an absolute disaster, man. I hope you've grown. Yeah. I hope you've grown. Yeah, um, that's, it's going to be problematic. Yeah, yeah. You know the challenges of Anambra are so so infinitesimal compared to the challenges of Nigeria, and so, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be yeah. tough. Yeah. But the the thing going for B is that. If he opens himself up to for help, right? That there are Nigerians in every field of endeavor, okay? In science and technology, in finance, in governance, in high tech, in the pharmaceutical industry, there are lots of Nigerians who want a better country, who are going to lend their resources, lend their brain power. Um, sort of come with this wave of enthusiasm to rebuild the country. It's not going to be OB, uh, but OB is going to be perhaps the the spark that draws all this energy um, um, to the country. Anyway, it's a conversation that we can just you, shall, shall be continued that to can continue to 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 go on with but we will revisit this as we said this is the week uh the politicians have been set they've been on their marks and so this week finally the referee says go and so we're going to see how they run the race and we will come back with you in episode after episode and analyze the, the developments. We thank you very, very much for joining us. All right. Brilliant.